It's 7 a.m. on the West Coast, 10 a.m. on the East Coast of America, 3 p.m. in London, 11 p.m. in Kyoto, Japan, and in Malaysia, it's 1964. I'm Jay Sheldon, I'm not wearing pants, and welcome to episode 100. Yes! <laughs> we made it! Goodness me, episode 100. Who'd have thought? <laughs> wow. In fact, I am, uh, I'm wearing my, my Miko merch shirt tonight, which is Miko and our logo. It's a very cool shirt. You can get it at Miko Merch on uh, J. Sheldon No Pants over on Twitch.tv, if you want to check that out. And uh, welcome to our podcast listeners also. We are live right now across Facebook, Twitch.tv, and YouTube. Uh, of course, we are like that three nights a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday. But uh, also, of course, we have become a podcast, so all 100 episodes are out there, wherever Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, on all the podcast platforms. Thank you very much for the downloads and the subscriptions. Really appreciate all of our podcast listeners out there. And of course, we always mention if you'd like to support the show, you can do that. We've actually lowered our tier prices just to make it more affordable for you. And that is at patreon.com slash Sheldon. You'll find it there. You can just support us for a small amount a month. You can get some special features like all of our books in audiobook format. Only the book portion of our show. We read the classics here at the end of every uh, live stream. And all our books are there. We're almost done with the Jungle Book, and we'll be posting that also in that uh, special private uh, selection group that you can find on patreon.com slash Sheldon. Luna Amethyst, welcome! A very, very long-time supporter of our stream. We thank you. You have been here, I would guess, almost every night since you found us. And thank you. I really, really do appreciate that. And your birthday is in 10 days. That's fantastic. Early happy birthday, but I'm sure we'll get to talk to you many more times before those 10 days are up. So, happy birthday, Luna. Uh, wow, yeah, we've got a uh, a full slate tonight. I did try, I tried so hard for you guys to get a special guest tonight. It did not work out. I couldn't get him. So, uh, I'm not going to tell you who, because I'm going to save it. We may still, we're not giving up. It might not be show 100, but we may still get him one of these days. And... Uh, We'll see. We'll see. Um, so it's just going to be you and I. As I told you, I think uh, one day last week, uh, you know what? You guys are the best audience in the world. And it's because of you guys that I love doing this show every three nights a week. And so probably the best way to celebrate 100 shows is to just do it the way we do every other show. You and me and a bunch of crap from the Internet. 
And of course, a, uh, yeah. <clears throat> and of course, <clears throat> a continuing classic book reading coming up at the end. I think that's the best way we could possibly do this. We keep it real here. And, uh, and so, why not? It's just like a group of friends getting together over a beer or a tea or, in my case, a, a coffee. Mmm. <laughs> that really is coffee, by the way. <clears throat> no, it is. Uh, all right. So we had a uh, we had an interesting weekend so far. It's half over, and the little lady's doing well. Miko update. Miko update. Miko. She was wandering around here before, but now she's left. It's like that every time. I'm getting ready to do the stream. She's in and out of the studio here. And then I go live and pew, she's gone. She's out of here. So I don't know where she went. But anyway, she's doing well. Uh, she was not feeling so well this morning. Had a little bit of an upset stomach, but she's, she's doing all right. And uh, she had a chance to meet some of her doggy friends on our walk tonight. We did a really long walk last night. Oh, it must have been like three or four kilometers. It was huge. We went all the way around the outside of our uh, our taman here, our garden area. And um, yeah, it was a long walk. Tonight's walk also. She decided she wanted to go a different way, so we decided to let her. And uh, yeah, it turned into a very long walk. But she's doing well uh, and uh, growing. She is, what, 10.3 kilos now? She's fat. Well, not fat, but she's getting big. Anyway, yeah, so the little girl, there she is. If you want your own Miko mug, twitch.tv slash Sheldon. No pants. You can pick one up over there. All right. Uh, let's get into the ridiculous, stupid, idiot news tonight. At least we're going to start off with some of that, and then we'll move on to some inspirational stuff, because I never, ever leave you with all the goofy, stupid people news, but we always have goofy, stupid people news, like this one. Yes, this is true. A university has removed a massive rock from their campus after claims the rock is racist. Yes, cancel culture, the morons, strike again. This is The Rock. There's a picture of The Rock up on the screen here for our podcast listeners. Uh, Rumble.com slash J. Sheldon No Pants if you want to see the video version of our show. But um, yeah, it's actually true. Another one bites the proverbial woke dust. I'm telling you, these freaking people are so stupid. The University of Wisconsin has removed a giant boulder from its Madison campus after a group of student activists claimed the rock was, you guessed it, racist. Uh, Chamberlain Rock, which rested atop of Observatory Hill, is named after 19th century geologist and former university president, president Thomas Trowder Chamberlain. However, after about a hundred years ago, a local newspaper used the N-word in its coverage of the rock's installation at the campus. This was a hundred years ago. 
uh, the derogatory term commonly used in the 20s to describe any large, dark rock. Odd, I did not know that. Uh, anyway, it was commonly used. Right or wrong, it was. Uh, you, times change, you know. University historians have not found any other instance of the term being used for the boulder, but they said the Ku Klux Klan was active on campus at that time. And the Black Student Union led the call to remove the rock last summer and recently got its way. They caved. They basically gave in to these morons. I don't care what color you are, what group you represent. If you claim a rock is racist, you're just a freaking moron, okay? You're an idiot. Sorry, but you're stupid. It cost them 50,000 USD, covered by private donations, to remove the rock. Students were offended by a big rock, and it got kicked out of the university. Yeah, this is just how far the stupid people have gone and how far we've come in listening to them. Can't believe you're turning 20, Luna. Oh, that's fantastic. Fantastic. 20. Do I remember when I was 20? No. I don't. <laughs> It was too many years ago. How am I supposed to remember? It was a very long time ago. My goodness. What, when I was in my 20s, what year was it? It was 1978. Wow. Disco was just in a couple of years. Yeah, just, just beginning, really. The era of disco was 77, 78. And... Uh, yeah, disco was, yeah, that was when I was 20. So you can imagine how there was, there was internet, but we didn't have it in our homes. Uh, maybe one or two cell phones, but not really hand phones. Uh, you know, the big box cell phones with the cord attached to the hand receiver, the big stocky antenna on it. Yeah. And laptops, never heard of them. They didn't exist. <laughs> back in the good old days before we all got woke and stupid <laughs> and let the government run our lives I've got a great one for you uh, these days between uh, mandates from governments rules and requirements that have no basis in science are just political in nature, or made to keep you afraid and keep you under their thumbs. And uh, why don't we want government running our lives? Well, here's another brilliant example why we probably shouldn't. They closed, look at this picture. I'm sorry, if you're on our podcast listening to the audio portion, you're going to have to go to rumble.com slash pants. Check this out. I will describe it for you. However, you really have to see this to believe exactly how stupid, in quotations, our governments are. They closed these outhouses. These built outhouses have been closed. And then they put in a porta potty. 
so people can use the facilities. This is what happens. You know, how is it that we managed to elect this many completely freaking stupid people to government? Is it, is it like, you know, I mean, in any society, you've got some smart people, some average people, and some really stupid people. Yet somehow, we always manage to elect the dumbest freaking people into office. How is that possible? Or do they get stupid when they get into office? Is that what it is? This is a true story. They closed these outhouses, the brown buildings you see here, for whatever reason, it doesn't say. And then they put up porta-potties so people can use the outhouses. Yes, this is the kind of brilliant, outside-the-box thinking that the people you elected to office have done. Gotta love them. Gotta love them. <laughs> hey, if you want to get in touch, by the way, on the show, you can write us. We always read your emails. We answer everybody. We get lots of emails. And I always take the time to send you a, a note and answer your questions, take your suggestions, and just say thank you for writing. Uh, it's no pants. You'll see on the scroll down here, it'll come out in a little bit. It'll be, it says no pants at jsheldon.com. That's our main email. You can get in touch. I put my email out there because I'd love to hear from you. And uh, we, we love all the emails that we do get. And thank you for that. Again, it's no pants at jsheldon.com. If you want to write us about anything, want to sponsor the show, you want to complain about something, you want to give us a suggestion for stuff to cover, things to do, what book to read next, by the way. Our, uh, our book, The Jungle Book, that we're doing now is almost done. It's been a long book. It's taken a lot. It's been like, I don't know, I was just editing them up today into our little book chapters and uh, for, for Patreon uh, members. And um, I think there's 20 over shows that we've done that has had The Jungle Book in it. It's a long book, but we're nearing the end. I think we've got a, one chapter left to go, maybe. So, Mohanad the Mighty Knock Knock, hello. <laughs> there goes our email just crawling by on the scroll now. Um, you can also go to Linktree slash Jay Sheldon. You'll find me over there, and all the links are there for everything that we do. Um, Mohanad, thank you for joining. Welcome to our 100th episode. This is episode 100 tonight. We have done it, we've actually pulled off 100 of these suckers. And uh, we're not doing anything particularly special. We're just keeping it real, like we always do. So welcome, Mohanad, and thank you very much for joining us there in uh, in Saudi. All right, our our Saudi view. Actually, we have, believe it or not, we have a few viewers in Saudi Arabia. We're doing really well in India, the U.S., of course, the U.K., uh, New Zealand. We've got some listeners over there, both to the podcast and our live stream from New Zealand, Australia, uh, all around the planet. But um, surprisingly, quite a few uh, listeners on the Indian continent. So nice to have you along for the ride, too. And thank you for your subscriptions and your likes and shares. We appreciate that. Don't forget our YouTube channel, by the way. You'll see the link all over the place. But YouTube, J. Sheldon Malaysia, 
Please give us a subscription over there if you can. Really helps a lot. Tony has liked the stream, and we like Tony. <laughs> well, Tony, thank you so much for that. Appreciate it. Welcome in. Nice to have you along for the ride. This is our 100th show tonight. We've been uh, we've been complaining about stupid governments. Not not necessarily the government I live under, although. But <laughs> stupid governments in general, okay? Somehow we always manage to elect the dumbest people, and I'm questioning why that is. How is that even possible? You would think there'd be one or two, you know, a percentage, but no, they're all idiots, so whatever. All right, uh, moving on. Did you know it used to be legal to mail children? Yeah, seriously, I'm not kidding. This is unbelievable. It, it, kids, to mail kids. You know, the post office. This is a, this is the weirdest thing, I swear. I found this earlier today, and I, I could not believe it. It's from a Facebook page called Bugged Space. If you want to check them out, give them a like, a hat tip to Bugged Space. In 1913, in the U.S., it was legal to mail children. Stamps would be attached to their clothing. You can see it here, as a matter of fact. There's a picture here. If you're listening to the podcast, go to rumble.com slash jsheldonnopants. You can watch the video. <laughs> Thanks for the high. Thanks, Tony. Um, they used to attach stamps to their clothing, and children would ride trains to their destinations, accompanied by letter carriers, and it would cost 53 cents. 53 cents. Now, in 1913, 53 cents was not a little amount of money. That was a pretty substantial amount. Uh, but in one famous case, February 14, 1914, a four-year-old girl named Charlotte May Piersdorf was mailed via train from her home in Grangeville, Idaho, to her parents' grand grandparents' house which was about 73 miles away because postage was cheaper than buying her a train ticket. And it worked. You can see, a, this is a picture here. This is, a, I don't know, this is a, one of the kids that got mailed. So yeah, in 1913, it was perfectly legal to mail your kids. Now, don't be getting any ideas, folks, okay? I've heard of people who've tried to stuff themselves into a cardboard box and have themselves delivered. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. It's a dumb thing to do. You're going to wind up probably dead. But um, I've heard those stories. People have actually, I think there's probably YouTube videos you can find with people who've tried to mail themselves or, you know, DHL themselves or UPS themselves somewhere. But it's actually happened. They would stick the kids on the train. They'd stick the postage on their clothing. And then a postal carrier would ride with them. And off you'd go. For 53 cents, you could try, travel 73 miles. <laughs> what a great idea. <laughs> oh, man. <clears throat> Do you know what a capitonum is? Have you ever heard of a capitonum? Look, I... <laughs> I write quite a bit, and so and I, I haven't written as much as I used to. I really should get back into writing. By the way, I have two books published. 
Uh, one is a children's book. It's called Willie and the Warthog. You can find our page over on Facebook, as a matter of fact. It's available on Amazon and uh, blurb.com. You just Google Willie and the Warthog, Jay Sheldon. You'll find my book. It's a cute little children's book. It's available for sale. And uh, you can find it on Amazon. Uh, also, I have a, uh, a second book, which is all my f- every day. I don't do it anymore. I should get back into it. I've started to do it a little bit on my Twitter account. By the way, if you want, you can follow me on Twitter. It's at It's Jay Sheldon. Um, but I used to post a funny line every single day, seven days a week, at least Monday through Friday. Uh, just a one-liner, little joke, little one-liner observation, some odd thing. So there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these things. And I thought, what a cool idea. This needs to be a toilet book. Now, I tried I tried desperately to get the thing actually published locally, but unless you know somebody who knows somebody, it ain't going to happen. So anyway, this is a collection. It's a good thick book too. It's, it's a collection of all my hundreds, if not thousands of little sayings over the years, over many, many years, it all collected into one book. The idea was it's like a toilet book. You know, you sit down on the toilet to do your business and you go through the book and you read a few funny things and then you put it aside, you pick it up again the next time you hit the head. <laughs> um, so it's called, actually, I don't think it'd be all that hard to get out of a pickle. That's the name of the book. Yeah, it's it's called, actually, I don't think it'd be all that hard to get out of a pickle. So if you Google that... It's long, uh, with, with by Jay Sheldon. You'll find my book there. You can buy a copy too. That's available also in eBooks, by the way. So check it out. All right. So anyway, back to this. Oh man, did I get off topic or what? I was talking about capitonym. What is a capitonym? I did not know this, but a friend of mine posted this. Thank you, Zachary. A friend of mine posted this, and it is the coolest thing. A capitonym, I hope I'm saying that right, is a word whose meaning changes when it's capitalized. And, you know, I never, I never even thought about this. It's not going to make the difference. You know, it's not going to cure disease. But it's just a really cool, weird thing I found, and I, I thought I would share it with you. Here is a list of some uh, of uh, capitonyms, words that change their meaning when you capitalize it. March, for example. With a small M, it means to march, as in march forward. With a capital M, it becomes the third month of the calendar year. Polish, and then capitalized, it becomes Polish. Now, that's one that actually changes its pronunciation when the only difference is it's capitalized. Polish and Polish. Uh, Actually, here's another one. August and August. August and August, China and China. Capitalized means something completely different. Hamlet and Hamlet, Fiat and Fiat, Mark and Mark. (laughs) Lent is another one, Lent and Lent. I lent you my car and the, uh, the observation of Lent. That is a cool thing. I mean, like I said, it doesn't make a damn bit of difference in anybody's life, but I just thought that was... That was very cool. All right. Uh, What else are we doing? I know. We're going over here. 
All right. Um, I found this. It's brilliant. There are so many people these days with vaccines, with the pandemic going on, with people believing one thing, with other people believing another thing, with people saying, you're an idiot, with other people saying, no, you're an idiot. This is the true science. That's the true science. Who knows what to believe? Again, you do you, I'll do me. Don't tell me what to do and I won't tell you what to do, okay? That's the way it ought to work. But this was brilliant. With so many people arguing about, and, you know, people losing friendships, people blocking people online, just over the fact that you can't have a reasonable discussion about something. And I'm talking about both sides, people in favor, people not in favor, people pro-vax, people anti-vax, people who don't give a crap. You do you, I do me. There we go. But this is brilliant. I love this little piece of advice. You can be in favor of something, but be opposed to it being mandatory. Hmm? You can be against something, but not be in favor of it being banned. I would never, ever, ever be against something that took away your right to free speech. To me, one of the most, if not the most important right that we all ought to have. Some countries have it more than others. Some countries that had it quite liberally are now taking it away. See the start of today's show. And, uh, you know, in some countries, you really, even though they might claim you do, you don't have free speech. But whatever your belief is, I would never want anyone to take away your right to say it. That should not ever be, nor should you be intimidated into having to change how you feel or not being able to speak out what you believe in your heart. That right above all others should be paramount. Sorry. It's how I was brought up. It's what I believe. You can believe it or don't believe it. It's entirely up to you. You do you. Okay? You do you. But you can be against something. But that doesn't mean you're in favor of it being banned. The last line is critical. Smart people understand this. You can be in favor of something, but opposed to it being mandatory. You can be against something, but not in favor of it being banned. Says it all, folks, and really important in the world we live in today. Mm-hmm. Sorry, it was coffee break time. You hear that banging all the time? Mohanad, you lost your connection. Well, that sucks. Get a better internet. <laughs> All right. Uh, what else we got going on here? Uh, oh, yeah. This actually relates to the last thing we just talked about. People giving up friendships. Thank you for the wish. A happy 100th stream, everyone. Thank you, Mohammed. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right. So this one relates to the last thing we talked about, where people have have blocked people, people have reported people, people file police reports in some cases, like the police have got something better to do, right? Uh, but this 
this is another one, another brilliant, brilliant piece of advice. It, this is written this way. Uh, it bugs me when people are unnecessarily mean. Like, you didn't have to make that comment. You could have just kept your mouth shut, left that person not feeling bad about themselves. Again, I know I just talked about free speech, and I still mean exactly what I said. But this is not a free speech thing. This is being courteous of other people. What, you, what do you gain from making somebody else feel like crap? No, they didn't say crap, but we try and keep this as family-friendly as we can. 99% of the time. So what did you gain from making somebody else feel like crap because of something you posted that was just stupid, just some insult? You gain nothing. Maybe a fleeting moment of power and it is gone just as soon as it comes. So why? What is the point? Seriously, stop and think about it before you make some snotty-ass comment on somebody's post or somebody's picture. What do you gain from it? Nothing. There's enough unhappiness in the world today. You don't have to add to it. Please keep that in mind the next time you're about to hit enter on your keyboard. Yeah. This is nice. I like this one, too. Don't take this the wrong way. I'm not planning on going anywhere. You know, unless nature calls and it's time for me to go and my show is done. Um, but I found this and I, I, I loved this a lot. <clears throat> I will tell you that as I get up into the um, golden years of my life, <laughs> you know what you do? I'm 63, all right? Proudly, I'm 63 years old. I've fought through hell and back to get here. And I didn't go through everything I went through just to get here. I got more plans, folks. So hopefully I'll stick around long enough to have them come true. We'll see. No doubt I've said it a hundred times before. I've led a charmed life. I've met amazing people. I've had incredible experiences with my careers in radio, television, film, law enforcement. <laughs> Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give up a moment of it and I regret nothing, but I'll be perfectly honest with you. When you get to be into your sixties, hopefully maybe one day into my seventies, you actually do think about, I don't have another 50 years to go. I'm not going to live to be 110 years old. My time is ticking away. I don't want to get too dark, <laughs> but I'm just being upfront. You actually do think about it more often the older you get. And when you get up into your 60s and into your, I assume, your 70s, not there yet, you start to think about these things. Not obsess over them, but you think about them. And you should. You should. Because, honestly, you never know. When it's your time, it's your time. So I saw this, and um, I loved it. It's absolutely brilliant. If you remember anything of me after I leave this world, remember that I loved, even when it was foolish. That I cared, even when it was unwanted. 
And when my body is gone, remember my heart. Nice. I think that might also apply perhaps if you have lost anyone recently. And sadly, we have. Um, I think that applies too. Um, you can kind of turn that around from the first person and um, and make it about someone perhaps that you've recently lost. If you remember anything about them, remember that they loved even when it was foolish. They cared even when it was unwanted. And even though the body is gone, remember their heart. Really, really nice. All right. We got one more to go. And then we're going to shove up and move on to, uh, to the Jungle Book. Wow, we did 36 minutes already. Goodness me. <laughs> My goodness. All right, this is from Forever and Anon. What's the page over on Facebook? Poetry Lovers. A hat tip to Poetry Lovers page on uh, Facebook. And uh, it's called Dust If You Must. I actually vacuumed my whole house today. My whole house. And I got a fairly big place. This is what? Uh, one, two, three, four. Four bedroom, three bath place. So, yeah, it's not a, it's not a small, small shack in the woods. And one of my rooms is now this, our studio. So, anyway. Uh, Tony, hey, Tony Joseph is now following. Thank you. Yes. Tony, welcome in. Thank you so much for the follow. I really appreciate that. Thank you, sir. Good to, good to hear you. Good to hear from you. All right. So uh, I don't know how long you've been listening, Tony, but we had a bang-up show tonight. And we're about to move into our, uh, our classic book, which we're currently reading the Jungle Book. That is coming up in a bit. But let me do this first. It's our last thing before we get into the uh, the Jungle Book tonight. And uh, this is it. I love this poem. It's so cool. If it's It's inspirational. And we always like to leave you with something kind of to kick you in the ass and get you moving forward. Dust if you must, but wouldn't it be better to paint a picture or write a letter? Bake a cake or plant a seed. Ponder the difference between want and need. Dust, if you must, but there's not much time, with rivers to swim and mountains to climb, music to hear and books to read, friends to cherish and life to lead. Dust, if you must, but the world's out there, with the sun in your eyes and the wind in your hair, a flutter of snow shower of rain this day will not come around again dust if you must but bear in mind old age will come and it's not kind and when you go and go you must you yourself will make more dust I love that. Yeah. <laughs> you yourself will make more dust. <laughs> there you go. That's the bottom line. Ashes to ashes, you know. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> All right, folks. Now, we're going to move into uh, the Jungle Book here. Don't go away. 
we still got more to come. We got another 20 minutes, half an hour to go here. But um, yeah, on our uh, on our live stream, we started this way, way back in the beginning. What, like almost 100 episodes ago. This is our 100th episode. Thank you very much for popping by. Um, but we started reading books. And one of the reasons we do that is because I love to read. I love to read out loud to folks. I've recorded several professional audio books for uh, scholastic books, publishers, things like that. But we've done our own. We found these books that are in the public domain. They're from Gutenberg.org. Hello, it's Toast. Nice to hear from you. And Gutenberg.org is where you'll find all kinds of classic, classic books, hundreds of them in the public domain. They're all free. You can download them as ebooks, HTML format, text files, Word docs. Uh, whatever you folks on uh, Macs and I to, uh, Apple products use. Um, so we've been doing that for a long time. We did The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. We did The Little Prince, Alice in Wonderland, all kinds of, uh, all kinds of books we've done here. We're currently doing The Jungle Book. We found out just how dark some of these original books were before they turned them into musical, dancing, laughing movies. Uh, not the book so much, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so you can check that out. It's the Gutenberg project at uh, tip of the hat to them. And by the way, we're going to mention this one more time and then I'll get off it. Patreon.com. If you want to help support the show, patreon.com slash J Sheldon is where you will find us. There's three different tier levels. The highest one will let you get uh, professional voice recordings from me because that's part of what I do for a living is a professional voice artist. Uh, the lowest tier level, we've by the way, we dropped reduced all of our prices so to make it just easier for folks. And um, the lowest level is just simply to support the show. It's a very tiny little amount every month. And then the mid-level tier, you get access to all of just the reading of our books from our show. Now, they're still out there if you want. You can scroll through and dig through all that and find the endpoints and all that stuff. But if you want an easy, convenient, well-organized way to listen to all of our books that we've done here, from the very first one, The Wizard of Oz, all the way up to The Jungle Book, which will be posted as soon as we're done with it, uh, they're all organized by chapters in part one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Just go to patreon.com slash jsheldon, sign up. And you can both help support the show and get access to some really cool audio books, which you can have your kids listen to. You listen to themselves. You listen to them yourselves when you're out on your jog or going to sleep at night. I'm great at putting people to sleep. So there's that too. Um, yeah. <laughs> All right. It's time. Let's get on with it without any further ado. And uh, let me just get one more thing going here. There we go. We always pop up the, uh, the cover of the book and a few illustrations that go along with what we're reading at the time. We started a new chapter, which is, I think, the second to last or the last chapter, which is all about the, uh, the elephants here in the Jungle Book by Rudyard Kipling. And little Tumai the little elephant with the big attitude. Um, he followed uh, the elephant's foot tracks and uh, he had just gotten a talking to by one of the older elephants, shamed. And so little Tumai went off without saying a word. And our story tonight 
continues. But he told Kalanag all his grievances while he was examining his feet. No matter, said little Tumai, turning up the fringe of Kalanag's huge right ear. They have said my name to Peterson Sahib, and perhaps, and perhaps, and perhaps, who knows? Hi, that is a big thorn that I've pulled out. Well, the next few days were spent in getting the elephants together, in walking the newly caught wild elephants up and down between a couple of tame ones to prevent them from giving too much trouble on the downward march to the plains, and in taking stock of the blankets and ropes and things that had been worn out or lost in the forest. Peterson Sahib came in on his clever she-elephant, Pudmini. He'd been paying off other camps along the hills, for the season was coming to an end, and there was a native clerk sitting at a table under a tree to pay the drivers their wages. As each man was paid, he went back to his elephant and joined the line that stood ready to start. The catchers, the hunters, the beaters, the men of the regular Kadah, who stayed in the jungle year in and year out, and sat on the backs of the elephants that belonged to Peterson Sahib's permanent force, or leaned against the trees with their guns across their arms, and made fun of the drivers who were going away, and laughed when the newly caught elephants broke the line and ran about. Big Tumai went up to the clerk with little Tumai behind him, and Machua Appa, the head tracker, said in an undertone to a friend of his, There goes one piece of good elephant stuff, at least. Tis a pity to send that young jungle cock to molt in the plains. Now, Peterson Sahib had ears all over him, as a man must have who listens to the most silent of all living things, the wild elephant. He turned where he was lying all along on Pudmini's back and said, What is that? I did not know of a man among the plains drivers who had wit enough to rope even a dead elephant. This is not a man, but a boy. He went into the Kadah at the last drive and threw a bar mao where there the rope. When he was trying to get that young calf with the blotch on his shoulder away from his mother. Machua Appa pointed at the little Tumai, and Peterson Saib looked, and little Tumai bowed to the earth. He threw a rope. He is smaller than a picket pin. Little one, what is thy name? said Peterson Saib. Little Tumai was too frightened to speak. But Kalanag was behind him, and Tumai made a sign with his hand. And the elephant caught him up in his trunk, and held him level with Pudmini's forehead, in front of the great Peterson Sahib. Then little Tumai covered his face with his hands, for he was only a child. And except where elephants were concerned, he was just as bashful as a child could be. Oh, ho, said Peterson Sahib, smiling under his mustache. And why didst thou teach thy elephant that trick? 
Was it to help the steel green corn from the roofs of the houses when the ears are put out to dry? Not green corn, protector of the poor, melons, said little to my. And all the men sitting about broke into a roar of laughter. Most of them had taught their elephants that trick when they were boys. Little Tumai was hanging eight feet up in the air, and he wished very much that he were eight feet underground. He is Tumai, my son, Sahib, said Big Tumai, scowling. He's a very bad boy, and he will end in a jail, Sahib. Of that, I have my doubts, said Peterson Sahib. A boy who can face a full kadah at his age does not end up in jails. See, little one, here are four annas to spend in sweetmeats, because thou hadst a little head under that great thatch of hair. In time thou mayest become a hunter too. Big to my scowled more than ever. Remember, though, that kadahs are not good for children to play in. Peterson Sahib went on. Must I never go there, Sahib? asked little Tumai with a big gasp. Yes, Peterson Sahib smiled again. When thou hast seen the elephants dance, that is the proper time. Come to me when thou hast seen the elephants dance, and then I will let thee go into all the kadas. There was another roar of laughter, for that is an old joke among elephant catchers, and it means just never. There are great cleared flat places hidden away in all the forests that are called the elephant's ballrooms, but even these that are only found by accident, and no man has ever seen the elephant's dance. When a driver boasts of his skill and bravery, the other drivers say, and when didst thou see the elephants dance? Kalanag put little Tumai down and bowed to the earth again and went away with his father and gave the silver four anna piece to his mother, who was nursing his baby brother, and they all were put up on Kalanag's back. And the line of grunting, squealing elephants rolled down the hill path to the plains. It was a very lively march on account of the new elephants who gave trouble at every ford and needed coaxing or beating every other minute. Big Tumai prodded Kalanag spitefully, for he was very angry. But little Tumai was too happy to speak. Peterson Sahib had noticed him and given him money. So he felt as a private soldier would feel if he'd been called out of the ranks and praised by the commander-in-chief. What did Peterson Sahib mean by the elephant's dance? He said at last softly to his mother. A big Tumai heard him and grunted, That thou shouldst never be one of these hill buffaloes of trackers. That's what he meant. Ho-ho, oh, you in front. What is blocking your way? An Assamese driver, two or three elephants ahead, turned round angrily and cried, Bring up Kalanag and knock this youngster of mine into good behavior. 
Why should Peterson Sahib have chosen me to go down with you donkeys of the rice fields? Lay your beast alongside to my and let him prod with his tusks. By all the gods of the hills, these new elephants are possessed. Or else they can smell their companions in the jungle. Kalanag hit the new elephant in the ribs and knocked the wind out of him. As Big Tumai said, we have swept the hills of wild elephants at the last catch. It is only your carelessness in driving. Must I keep order among the whole time? Hear him, said the other driver. We've swept the hills, ho ho, you are very wise, you plains people. Anyone but a mudhead who never saw the jungle would know that they are the drives have ended for the season. Therefore, all the wild elephants tonight will. But why should I waste wisdom on a river turtle? What will they do? Little Tumai called out. Ho, ho, wah, little one. Art thou there? Well, I will tell thee, for thou cast a cool head. They will dance, and it behooves thy father, who has swept all the hills of all the elephants, to double-chain his pickets tonight. What talk is this, said Big Tumai. Forty years father and son have tended for the elephants, and we've never heard such moonshine about dances. Yes, but a plainsman who lives in a hut knows only the four walls of his hut. Well, leave thy elephants unshackled tonight and see what comes. As for their dancing, I've seen the place there. Bop-ri-bop. How many windings has the Dihang River? Here is another ford, and we must swim the calves. Stop still, you behind there. And in this way, talking and wrangling and splashing through the rivers, they made their first march to a sort of receiving camp for the new elephants. But they lost their tempers long before they got there. Then the little elephants were chained by their hind legs to their big stumps of pickets, and extra ropes were fitted to the new elephants, and the fodder was piled before them, and the hill drivers went back to Peterson Sahib through the afternoon light, telling the plains drivers to be extra careful that night, and laughing when the plains drivers asked the reason. Little to my attended to Kalanag's supper, and as evening fell, wandered through the camp, unspeakably happy, in search of a tom-tom. When an Indian child's heart is full, he does not run about and make a noise in an irregular fashion. He sits down to a sort of revel all by himself, and little Dumai had been spoken to by Peterson's sahib. If he had not found what he wanted, I believe he would have been ill. But the sweetmeat seller in the camp lent him a little tom-tom, a drum beaten with the flat of the hand, and he sat down, cross-legged, before Kalanag, as the stars became to come out, the tom-tom in his lap, and he thumped, and he thumped, and he thumped. 
And the more he thought of the great honor that had been done to him, the more he thumped, all alone, among the elephant fodder. There was no tune and no words, but the thumping made him happy. Now the new elephants strained at their ropes, and squealed and trumpeted from time to time, and he could hear his mother in the camp putting his small brother to sleep with an old, old song about the great god Shiv, who once told all the animals what they should eat. It is a very soothing lullaby, and the first verse says, Shiv, who poured the harvest and made the winds to blow, sitting at the doorways of a day long ago, gave to each his portion food, toil, and fate, from the king upon the goody to the beggar at the gate. All things made he Shiva the preserver, Mahadeya, Mahadeya, he made it all. Thorn for the camel, fodder for the kine, and mother's heart for sleepyhead, O little son of mine. And little Tumai came in with a joyous tunk-a-tunk at the end of each verse, until he felt sleepy and stretched himself on the fodder at Kalanag's side. And at last the elephants began to lie down one after another, as is their custom, until only Kalanag at the right of the line was left standing up, and he rocked slowly from side to side, his ears put forward to listen to the night wind as it blew very slowly across the hills. The air was full of all the night noises, taken together make one big silence. The click of one bamboo stem against the other, the rustle of something alive in the undergrowth, the scratch and squawk of a half-waked bird. Birds are awake in the night much more often than we imagine. And the fall of water, ever so far away. Little Tumai slept for some time, and when he waked, it was brilliant moonlight, and Kalanag was standing up with his ears cocked. Little Tumai turned, rustling in the fodder, and watched the curve of his big back against half the stars in heaven. And while he watched, he heard, so far away that it sounded no more than a pinhole of noise pricked through the stillness. He heard the hoot, hoot of a wild elephant. And that's where we're going to end things. For tonight, they're about to dance. <laughs> ah, man, that was cool. All right, folks. Whoa, where'd we start popping around there? Here we go. All right. So they are going to uh, get back to the elephant dance in our next stream, which will come up on Monday night. Cool. Thank you. Thank you so much. We had lots of people popping into the show tonight. I really appreciate that. Thanks for all the likes and shares and things. Patreon.com slash Jay Sheldon if you'd like to support the show. 
If you're on uh, YouTube or pop over to youtube.com slash J Sheldon Malaysia, just click that subscribe button. It's down over here in the corner. And thank you for that. Appreciate it. We get our subscriptions up there. Twitch.tv, of course, you'll find Miko merch over there with Miko and our, uh, our show logo on it. There you go. And uh, <laughs> Facebook, of course, Facebook Live. Until next time, my friends, I will see you again on Monday night. Yeah. I'm Jay Sheldon. Thank you for our 100th episode. I'm not wearing pants. Good night. Yeah.